This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. For the second consecutive day across much of southern BC tonight, there has been no escape from the smoke that is blanketing the region. From the water to the top of our local mountains, that thick haze from wildfires burning in this province and south of the border continues to sock in the south coast and the interior. Good evening and thank you for joining us. It is a one-two punch across B.C. tonight with that smoke in the sky and the wildfires behind it. And with dry conditions and wind only adding more fuel to those fires, several have grown aggressively in size. In hope, the Flood Falls Trail Fire has sparked an evacuation order and a partial closure of Highway 1 that has caused a traffic nightmare. Travis Prasad begins our coverage. Hot, windy weather continues fanning the flames. Yeah, the fires are spreading, that's for sure. Spreading quickly, the Flood Falls Trail fire grew seven times in size overnight to at least 500 hectares. But that steep terrain um, and burning uh, high up into the mountains has been, has been one of the biggest contributors to this. We've also had outflow winds. Um, with winds increasing, and then today the winds changed to inflow. The out-of-control fire has moved prompting an evacuation order for 13 properties in the community of Laidlaw. Traffic on Highway 1 at a standstill, with eastbound lanes closed between Bridal Falls and Hope as the fire gets too close for comfort. Our concerns are for our crews and also for uh, people traveling along the highway, dropping debris from, uh, from the wildfire above. While the fire burns on a steep mountainside, firefighters are forced to attack it from the air. Relying on helicopters with little buckets, you know, Seems like spitting in the ocean kind of thing, right? Residents of Popcom, west of Laidlaw, are on edge as the fire creeps in their direction. This is like when we had the big fires a couple of years ago, right? Yeah. We were up in the interior camping and that, and we know we got we had to get evacuated and all that from the campsite. And this reminds you how thick it really was, right? Thick smoke and ash now blanketing the area. For some, it's too much to bear. I've got a sore throat, my eyes are burning, I'm congested and sneezing. There's ash everywhere. You just feel between the dust and the ash, it just feels grubby out here. Meanwhile, firefighters are battling a blaze in Mission. It sparked overnight near Stave Lake and has grown to five hectares. Officials suspect it was an abandoned campfire. A lot of the times we do need to be more responsible with our fire and I think that that's something moving forward as a community, we all need to be stressing more and more because this is the reality. It it could end up like this. Crews are confident they'll contain it, but back near the Flood Falls Trail fire, uncertainty lingers. Look at the grass, right? It's so dry everywhere, you know? So, yeah, it's a problem. Travis Prasad, Global News. And to further illustrate the traffic headache for motorists heading towards Hope or anywhere eastbound on Highway 1 today, this video was sent into our newsroom of the impact of the Highway 1 closure for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of commuters. There is no word yet on when the highway might fully reopen. 
The other wildfire that's exploded in size this weekend is the battleship Mountain Fire in the Peace region. Dozens of firefighters and helicopters are now battling that blaze, which has ballooned to some 25,000 hectares. That's more than 60 times the size of Stanley Park. Kamal Kermali reports on another community forced to pack up and leave. The battle on Battleship Mountain rages on. The out-of-control wildfire growing rapidly in size, fueled by strong winds and dry conditions, also becoming a growing concern for firefighters. I've seen rapid growth, um, primarily driven by wind. We've seen a lot of wind in this peace region, as well as drought conditions. This area hasn't seen any significant amount of rain, let alone any, um, in over four weeks. The located in northeast BC near the Alberta border. The wildfire burning in the area in red here. Both the red and yellow areas are now under an evacuation order, including the district of Hudson's Hope, where more than 800 residents were ordered to pack up and leave Saturday night and make their way here to Fort St. John. I didn't think it was going to happen. About 85 kilometers east of Hudson's Hope, where a reception center has been set up with Peace Arena. I was surprised that it had come so close that they felt we had to uh, leave the community. Hudson's Hope resident Bill Lindsay noticed the fire moving quickly. We were seeing smoke, obviously, the smell of it. And uh, the other day, uh, there was... Uh, uh, fly ash on my car. While many have taken shelter at the evacuation center here, some have decided to camp or found refuge with friends. Well, it was just a lot of like packing and trying to think what couldn't you afford to lose and then getting out of there. Thankfully, we don't have any like livestock or horses. But some residents told Global News a few who do have farms and livestock have chosen to stay behind. Fire crews say the winds behaved on Sunday, allowing for firefighters to help maintain the perimeter of the blaze and keep the fire from spreading any closer to Hudson's Hope. We have a lot of really great personnel that are on, on site right now and working really diligently and proactively to uh, protect and defend the community of Hudson's Hope. But with the mountainous terrain to contend with, crews know it'll be an uphill battle against this wildfire moving forward. Kamal Karamali, Global News. And those fires are having a drastic impact on the air we breathe this weekend. And that has earned the Lower Mainland a dubious distinction of worst in the world. Smoke from wildfires burning both in this province and in Washington and Oregon has sparked a warning for even healthy people to stay inside. Kristen Robinson reports. This tractor, the only thing hitting the track at Hastings Racecourse Sunday. The star attractions getting a day off, sheltering inside due to the haze. It was just too smoky down here. Too much danger to health. The horse owners, stakeholders and the official vet decided to cancel all seven races, not wanting to push these equine athletes. It's going to be as bad for horses as it is for humans. No question about it. And we have to take into consider our patrons as well, their health. And we like them to have a good experience when they come here. And it's just not a healthy day to be out at the track. An air quality warning extended for Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley due to smoke from wildfires burning in B.C. and south of the border. But today is really bad. In fact, the worst in the world. The rare situation put Vancouver at the top of an unenviable list, the major world city with the worst air quality. 
the health hazards are extremely high and people should stay indoors. Those who are pregnant or have underlying health conditions like lung or heart disease, COPD, asthma or diabetes, advise to close windows and not go outside, even for exercise. If possible, turn on air conditioning, a fan or an air purifier. What makes it even more um, you know, dangerous is the fact that the particulate matter levels are the highest in the world. It's not just the gases, but small particles that get into the lungs and cause all sorts of uh, health uh, havoc. And wearing a mask outdoors, Dr. Sin says, is no substitute for staying indoors. Most masks cannot filter out very small particular matters, which are very hazardous to the health. So uh, don't think that wearing a mask outdoors will protect uh, your health. Air quality is expected to improve in the coming days, allowing these pony horses to return to work with the seven card rescheduled for next Saturday. Kristen Robinson, Global News. And Yvonne Shell is here now with a look at the forecast on the wildfire and the smoke front. Yvonne, the big question tonight is how long can we expect this haze to last? Sarah, likely continuing towards tomorrow. We're hoping to see it thin out, but it's been deteriorating over the weekend. And right now, the current air quality health index, we can see that Metro Vancouver now has bumped up to around medium. We're sitting at six, but we've had it at very high. And that extends in towards the Fraser Valley. Eastern regions, the central Fraser Valley sitting at eight. So we're still tracking that widespread smoke overnight with poor very poor air quality and the air quality advisory is blanketing especially the southern half of the province Whistler the Sunshine Coast all included within that extending in towards William Lake and in towards the peace and towards the southeastern corners of the province still seeing the smoke potential over the next 24 and 48 hours wild and smoke forecast this is one model suggesting that it may thin out especially towards the west end but still very thick for east for areas east of extending into the southern interior. We also have some active weather to talk about with the risk of thunderstorms for tomorrow. I'll have that coming up very shortly. Sarah? Okay, thanks, Yvonne. We'll see you soon. In the Okanagan, Highway 33 east of Kelowna was closed overnight as officers investigated reports of shots fired. Just after midnight, RCMP were called to the location of a private event off Joe Rich Road. Guests sheltered in place there until a suspect was taken into custody. The busy stretch of highway remained closed for hours until around 4 o'clock this morning. There are no known injuries and no other details being released by RCMP. Burnaby RCMP are asking for your help to identify the suspect in the alleged sexual assault of a child last week. Investigators say a witness snapped a photo of the suspect after the alleged incident at Metrotown Mall on Friday afternoon. Police say a stranger grabbed and pinched a six-year-old boy's buttocks in the food court area and then fled the scene. If you recognize this man, call Burnaby RCMP. Coming up, the Queen honored at home and across the ponds. We want to thank the Queen for everything she's done for us. Congregants gather across the Commonwealth for a somber Sunday as the late monarch's body leaves Balmoral for the last time. Plus, 21 years ago, 21 years and we still kept our promise. Never forget. Remembering the deadliest terror attack on American soil, 21 years to the day of 9-11. That's after the break. Stay with us. Taking a look here at the Portman Bridge. Other than being a little smoky and hazy, traffic is moving at top speed in both directions, as well as Highway 17 east and westbound is looking good, and the nearby Mary Hill Bypass is problem-free.
At BCAA, we are over 1 million members strong and moving forward through the power of membership. Join the movement today at BCAA.com. In the Global Traffic Center, I'm Jeremy Tubbs. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Queen Elizabeth II's coffin was driven in a six-hour procession through Scotland today in the start of the monarch's journey to her final resting place in Windsor. As Grace Key reports, it is also the first Sunday for parishioners to mourn the passing of the only head of the Church of England they've ever known. At Christ Church Cathedral in downtown Vancouver, a prayer for Queen Elizabeth II. Oh, God from whom comes everything that is upright and true. Accept our thanks for the gifts of heart and mind that you did bestow on your servant Elizabeth, and which she showed forth among us in her words and deeds. A memorial displaying the photo of her 1951 visit to the cathedral is on display with a book of remembrance that will be delivered to the British Consulate General in Vancouver. She's very special and will not be forgotten. Whether you're a monarchist or not, I think people are impressed with her as a person. She's gone so long and um, trying to keep up after Philip um, has passed away. I'm actually looking forward to her son, King Charles, now. We admired her. We traveled to London quite often and really enjoyed. Um, we ran across her a couple of times, parading down the mall on her horse and so on. With the royal family looking on, a hearse carrying the late queen left Balmoral Castle in Scotland, where she died Thursday at age 96. Crowds lined the streets along the six-hour journey to Edinburgh at the Palace of Holyrood House. And we felt we just had to come and pay our respects to the queen. We want to thank the queen for everything she's done for us. Yeah. And we've laid some flowers, put flowers down, and, uh, yeah, just want to show her gratefulness to her. Members of the royal family will escort the coffin to St. Giles Cathedral where the Queen will lie in state for 24 hours. She will then to London on Tuesday. On this Sunday, remembrance is not only given to the UK's longest reigning monarch, but thoughts are also with the family. Deal graciously, we pray to you with those who mourn, especially the members of the royal family, that casting every care on you they may know the consolation of your love. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Grace Key, Global News. Also today, King Charles III was proclaimed monarch of the entire United Kingdom, one day after confirming his seat on the in England. As Kyle Benning reports, the expanded proclamation came as the monarch met with representatives from across the Commonwealth, including where support for the crown is waning. Secretary-General of the Commonwealth, Your Majesty. With thousands outside paying their respects, King Charles III met with Commonwealth dignitaries at Buckingham Palace. This with sentiment towards the British monarchy changing. This may open um, a discussion about the extent of the 
connection of the monarchy with various countries in the Commonwealth and also possibly within Wales and within Scotland as well. Last year, Barbados left the Commonwealth with several other Caribbean nations signaling their intention to leave. And some closer to home showing the United Kingdom might not be so united. God save the King! Boos heard as King Charles was proclaimed as the King of Scotland, with similar protests taking shape in Wales. Scotland held a referendum for independence in 2014, which saw 55% of voters deciding to stay as part of the UK. The um, movement towards independence has become much stronger in, in recent years. So um, one of the issues is would there be a monarchy if there is an independent Scotland? Concerns around Brexit have also fanned the flames for the calls of independence. The changes aren't limited to political ties. Anglican churches seeing the first Sunday since the Queen's death with hymns of God Save the King instead of Queen. Leaders within the Church of England hoping this moment can solidify their congregations. Being together, uh, being united helped to support one another through our grief and I think we're united in our sadness and in our thanksgiving for the Queen's life. Kyle Benning, Global News. And the Queen's passing was also acknowledged outside of the Commonwealth in the United States as Americans mark 21 years since the 9-11 attacks when three commercial airplanes were hijacked and deliberately crashed into various landmarks, killing thousands of people on American soil. Jennifer Johnson reports. New York City, a bell was rung, followed by a moment of silence commemorating the exact moment when the first plane hijacked by al-Qaeda terrorists slammed into the North Tower of the World Trade Center. One of the darkest days in U.S. history. Adam P. Arias. Michael J. The names of each of the Americans who died in New York was read aloud by children, parents, spouses, and siblings. It's kind of helped give maybe a little bit closure for me. And honor to my brother and to the other people who died on that day. Vice President Kamala Harris and other dignitaries stood in silence in honor of the dead, along with hundreds of first responders, remembering their colleagues who also lost their lives. I don't think the, uh, the images ever dissipate. You know, this is part of the healing process. At the Pentagon, where another hijacked airplane struck, U.S. President Joe Biden stood in the dreary rain with his top military leaders to honor the victims. We have an obligation, a duty, a responsibility to defend, preserve, and protect our democracy that those terrorists on 9-11 sought to bury in the burning fire and smoke and ash. The president also remembered Queen Elizabeth's compassionate message to America on 9-11. She poignantly reminded us, quote, grief is the price we pay for love. There was more grieving in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, where the third hijacked flight went down. First Lady Jill Biden spoke at a remembrance ceremony there. This is a somber day for Americans that most can never forget. A day to remember the innocent and the brave who lost their lives in a horrific 21 years ago. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington. And we acknowledge an error going into that report. It was four commercial airplanes that were hijacked rather than three. Coming up, donation equity at the blood bank. It's definitely unfair. It's an outdated law. 
Why all donors will be facing questions on their sex lives going forward, not just some. The change in policy that some say was a long time coming. Plus. The next MLA for Surrey South, Eleanor Sturko. From Mountie to MLA, the familiar face who swept last night's Surrey South by-election. That's after the break. Stay with us. We got the Casier tunnel camera here and traffic good shape whether you're heading up towards the Ironworkers Bridge into North Vancouver or if you're coming down into Burnaby. No delays to report so far for your Sunday evening commute. At BCAA, we are over 1 million members strong and moving you forward through the power of membership. Join the movement today at BCAA.com. In the Global Traffic Center, I'm Jeremy Tubbs. There's a new face officially on board the BC Liberals, and it's one you will likely recognize. Ladies and gentlemen, the next MLA for Surrey South, Eleanor Sturko. Eleanor Sturko swept last night in Surrey South. Sturko, who many will know as the former spokesperson for the Surrey RCMP, won with 52% of the vote. Her closest opponent, NDP candidate Pauline Graves, received 30%. The Liberals won the seat by just a 4% margin in 2020. Sturko says she's ready to get to work and hold the new Democrats accountable on issues like health care and affordable housing. You know, we heard a lot of different things, but I have to say that the most significant issue that people brought forward on the doorsteps was our health care crisis. People are very concerned. Many of the people I spoke to did not have access to family doctors. Some of their doctors had retired. I would say that the second most significant thing that we heard on the doorsteps was affordability. The B.C. Conservatives took 13% of the vote with the Greens and the Libertarians neck and neck, receiving 3 and 2% respectively. Well, should the West Coast Express expand its service? Some transit riders say it's simply Calls are growing for the service to expand its hours as the Lower Mainland's population growth expands and fuel prices rise. Currently, West Coast Express trains run Monday to Friday during the morning and afternoon rush hours, serving communities from Mission to downtown Vancouver. But expansion advocates want to see that service increase to seven days a week with earlier and later trip options. We just want to make better use of the current train without any investment. I mean, just uh, without investment on the infrastructure. So make better use of the tra track. The tracks aren't owned by us. They're owned by CP. Um, a third track would allow greater flexibility because the existing tracks, their priority has to be freight. So maybe that's the direction. But primarily it's about opening up the lines of communication. Is this an option? A statement from TransLink says, in part, as of September 12th, one car will be added to each of the two busiest trains. There are no current plans to further expand the service, but TransLink says it is monitoring ridership, which it says is currently at 40% of pre-pandemic levels. A major change begins today at blood donation banks across the country. In blood services is now screening and questioning all donors on their sexual activity regardless of gender or sexual orientation and as julie nolan reports is the phase out of a policy long criticized as homophobic a change in policy decades in the making i think it's a beautiful thing i think it's it's something that, that you can be a donor you can be a role model you can be a leader in your community just because a man identifies as gay is no longer a reason to be automatically
and from donating to Canadian Blood Services. The tainted blood scandal of the early 80s, where HIV and AIDS blood donations were added to the supply, was the start of how certain donors were unfairly screened. And that actually mirrors health care in Canada and across North America more broadly where health equity has been increasingly recognized as critically important in healthcare. The changes mean blood donor eligibility becomes gender neutral. Now more gay, bisexual and other men who have sex with men can donate blood, while Canadian Blood Services will ensure the safety of the blood supply for patients who need it. The previous guidelines were long considered discriminatory and homophobic. It's definitely unfair. It's an outdated law, guaranteed from the 80s with the AIDS pandemic then. Well, I think everybody should be able to donate. I, I don't have a thought about sexual orientation. Since the 1990s, any man who had sex with men undergo a three-month celibate waiting period before donating blood. With that change, Canadian Blood Services says they don't expect an influx of new donations, but adds it is their goal to be inclusive as possible about who can donate. Stopping us from donating it just because of who we have sex with is kind of uh, backwards. It's a start, but health experts say there's much more work to be done. To tell them that they're wanted as donors, that they're needed as donors, that they'll be treated well. Canadian Blood Services acknowledges there are still sexual behaviour-based criteria that continues to disproportionately target the gay or bisexual male, but the agency says it will keep building trust with the community. Julie Nolan, Global News. Coming up, Yvonne is back with a look at your full forecast. Plus, the new mural brightening the streets of Chinatown and the story behind the public art. That's after the break. Stay with us. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Welcome back. The second annual Light Up Chinatown Festival saw hundreds of people visit the historic neighborhood this weekend. Perfect. Photo booths, live entertainment, food trucks, lights and lanterns took over the 500 block of Columbia Street and 100 block of Pender Street in the two-day event in the heart of Vancouver's Chinatown. The timing coincides with the Mid-Autumn Festival. Light Up Chinatown was launched last year as a way to help welcome back visitors to the neighborhood after all of the challenges of the pandemic. So many people have said to me, well, why can't it be like this all the time? And I think that's the thing that we tried to do is how you can cap, you know, create a vision and then people say, wow, why can't it be like this all the time? And that's kind of something that we work towards. So it's lively, it's fun, it's family, um, it's for everybody. Looks like fun and a hazy day for it, Yvonne. A hazy weekend, I should say, but at least it was dry both days. Yeah, both days were dry, which is great news. And there's always a good time to have and enjoy some of that moon cake as well. Hazy conditions, we can see that on our tower cam. It's been deteriorating in terms of our air quality. We've had seen many areas at about very high, extending in towards the Fraser Valley. We've got 24 with the southeasterly wind at 19 kilometers per hour. Now, overnight tonight, we're still going to see how the, have that widespread smoke. We'll track it in towards the morning hours. So something to keep in mind when you're heading up and school and it'll be a warm one temperatures tomorrow 21 away from the water getting closer to 24 degrees and with the humidex it'll feel like 27 and 28 for areas that are away from the water here's a quick snapshot that was taken yesterday from above from nasa we can see that smoke especially from seattle that was just working its way in right across the island and it has deteriorated for many areas and towards the interior through the day today we have that air quality advisory that's blanketing the southern half so keep in mind all areas in gray still being impacted 
contracted with that potential over the next four, 24 and 48 hours. And those with respiratory issues are advised and recommended to try and limit the amount of time spent outdoors. And we can see that even extending right along the Sunshine Coast and Whistler included within that. A reminder, the fire danger rating is sitting at high to extreme. We've got a few spots along the southern tip of Vancouver Island at extreme and no significant moisture or rain in the forecast. And what we're tracking, a big concern actually, will be through the day. It is going to pick up late day, likely towards the evening and overnight. We could see some showers and even the risk of thunderstorms is going to move in for the southern interior. The Okanagan will be included within that in a few areas into the southeastern corners of the province. We'll be keeping a close eye on that where we could be tracking some instability and scattering for a few areas, but not a significant amount of rain. The northern half of the province will see more of a clearing along the coast through the day. Inland with temperatures still into the low 20s, much of the central interior tomorrow with a partly cloudy sky. It's the southern half that will have that widespread smoke across the region, hoping to see that improvement kick in by Tuesday, Wednesday, with also an increase in cloud cover. But that instability is going to be late evening, overnight with that risk of thunderstorms, so stay tuned. Whistler with highs up to 26 degrees in most areas along the south coast, so Still tracking that smoke, hazy conditions for tomorrow, warming up away from the water up to 24, Humidex 27, hoping to see that smoke thin out through the day tomorrow and leading in towards our Tuesday, partly cloudy Wednesday, and more cloud cover starting to roll in for our Thursday, Friday so far. Sarah? Okay, a lot of people waiting for that haze to lift. Thanks so much, Yvonne. And with all those people visiting Chinatown this weekend for that festival we mentioned, some positive change was front and center. Check out this mural on the upper wall of Diaz Combat Sports in the 200 block of East Pender Street. The gym's owner, Ryan Diaz, commissioned the mural last year, but because it's above the street, it's somewhat hidden and hard for passersby to see. Diaz says he wanted to cover some of the graffiti in the area and also to showcase Chinatown. I wanted to give back to the community and I wanted people in Chinatown to be proud of Chinatown. And so if you look at it, we put the word Chinatown, yes, but at the side we put the dogs, the lions, which are protectors. On the other side, right at the front, we put the pagoda that is also at Sun Yat-sen Garden. So we wanted to do that to like pay homage to the garden that's been here for a long time. It's beautiful. Just add some beauty to the community. It's nice to walk around and see some art around the area. I think it has like a bit of a, it shows off the historical side of Chinatown and then kind of um, helps beautify the neighborhood as well. Diaz also had a likeness of Bruce Lee painted on his roll down door next to the Chinese character, or family. That is so cool. I'll have to go check that out. It's nice. classic, the Bruce Lee stance. That <laughs> totally. is, everyone recognizes that one. Good to see you, Barry. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about NFL and sports today. Mm -hmm, yeah, first NFL Sunday. I have to tell you, if you're a, if you're a football fan, there's just something <laughs> about NFL Sunday. It's uh, very invigorating and fun to watch, and especially if you got uh, fantasy stuff going on. But uh, we'll have uh, highlights. Seahawks don't play until tomorrow against Russell Wilson at home, but still plenty of action. And Canucks camp starts in less than two weeks, and uh, we'll hear Burroughs, who uh, hopes to be a fixture on the blue line again again after a pretty good rookie season. Okay, sounds good. We'll see you soon. Coming up, a very sweet way to save endangered species. Stop right there. Stop. We'll have that story coming up after the break. The special stories that shape our province, as suggested by our viewers. This is BC with Jay Durant. Real people, real stories. This is BC with Jay Durant is brought to you in part by Van Cam Freightways, BC owned and operated for 75 years. 
Well, what better way to raise funds for conservation than with candy? A BC company has made some sweet treats with a scientific purpose. And as Jay Durant reports in This Is BC, the Gummy Project is set to expand across North America alongside the efforts to save endangered species. The nonprofit organization O Search works year round protecting white sharks. Stop right there. Since 1970, the populations of oceanic sharks and rays has declined by more than 70 percent. Total length, 14 feet total, 14 foot female shark. A big problem with backing from a small BC company. The Gummy Project kicked off this summer with a portion of sales going towards conservation efforts for endangered species. Well, the time to act for many of these species is now. Um, many of them, uh, their stocks have been depleting for several years now and they're getting at dangerously low levels. The company recently launched its line of low sugar gummies and has partnered with a number of major retailers and companies. A part of their proceeds also supports the conservation of bees and other endangered keystone species. One of the three bites of food that us humans consume are pollinated by bees. We got Scomal is getting blood. Yeah. Corporate job. support for these organizations is crucial. This research is helping the scientific community find ways to restore balance and abundance to the ocean. Beautiful. She looks very placid. She looks great. Her color's great. Brands like the Gummy Project, they pay for the ship so we can give the ship to the scientists because the scientists have no boats and no money. Parasites are good. We need a pizza and a muscle plug. It was a successful summer. The company plans to start supporting other endangered species as it expands. You know, we have people uh, reaching out to us on a daily basis now wanting to carry our products, and that's happened really, really quickly for us. Helping to ensure the research can continue. And the mission is the most important part, part of this company for us. We want to support these species. The time to act is now. Yeah, Lydia! Do your thing, big girl! Yeah, Lydia! Jay Durant, Global News. And if you have a suggestion about a great BC story that just needs to be told, email your ideas to thisisbc at globalnews.ca. Coming up, the return of Indigenous canoe racing to False Creek. Like those NASCAR when they pit. Masterfully carved boats hit the water for the first time in more than a century. We'll take you there in just a few minutes after sports. Experience one of nature's wonders. Throughout the fall, millions of Pacific salmon migrate from the ocean to their birth streams across BC. Let the Pacific Salmon Foundation help you witness this amazing feat with an interactive map that highlights some of the best public spots to view them across BC. Visit their website for details. Join Stalo Arts and Culture Society for their first annual powwow, celebrating indigenous culture, traditions, music, regalia, and art at the Langley Event Center. All are welcome to share in the experience of learning of the importance of keeping tradition alive. Our BC is brought to you in part by Return It. Make sure to bring back your drink containers to a Return It Express. It's easy. There's no sorting and no lineups. Welcome back. Barry Delay is back. Mm -hmm. A big day for football fans. Yes, mm -hmm. for football widows. I don't, that's, they, football widows can be guys <laughs> or women, okay? Because I know there's a lot of uh, women who are watching the NFL. All right, thanks, Sarah. Opening Sunday of the NFL season and Seahawks fans are just watching because they don't open the season until tomorrow night when Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos come to town. I'm not sure anyone 
quite knows what to expect they'll see tomorrow, but it'll be intense and hopefully entertaining. Russell Wilson has played 156 NFL season, uh, regular season games, all with the Seahawks, but that streak ends Monday night. Check out how the other NFC West teams did in their openers. Arizona Cardinals hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. It was all Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in this one. First quarter, he will hit his favorite target, Travis Kelsey, for a touchdown in the opening drive. 7-0 Kansas City. Go to the second quarter, now 14-7 Chiefs, and Mahomes will find Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on fourth and two wide open. Edwards-Hilaire's second TD catch of the game, 23-7 at the half, and then in the third, two more touchdown passes for Mahomes. This one to McCole Herdman, fifth touchdown pass for Patrick. Chiefs roll past the Cardinals, 44 21. 49ers and Bears from Chicago. Bears offense dormant until the second half. It took a little improvisation from Justin Fields. He scrambles before finding a wide open Dante Pettis. And the former 49er does the rest, scores against his old team. 51 yard touchdown. Bears cut the lead to 10 7. And then early in the fourth, they take the lead. It's Fields to Equanimous St. Brown, 18-yard touchdown strike. Chicago beats San Francisco 19-10. So good news for the Seahawks. All NFC West teams losing in week one. Of course, the Rams lost to Buffalo Thursday. AFC North rivals the Bengals and Steelers. Abbotsford's Chase Claypool had a productive day. 15-yard carry here. Rushed for 36 yards. Had four catches for 18 yards. So 54 in total for Chase. Wild finish in this one. 20-14 Steelers. But Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase for the touchdown with just two seconds to go. Ties it up 20-20. The extra point now for the win which is usually automatic, but not this time. The Steelers block it. So we require overtime. Both kickers missed field goal attempts in OT. Chris Boswell, though, gets another chance on the final plane from 53 yards out and nails it. And the Steelers beat last year's AFC champs 23-20. It was do or die for the Whitecaps last night in Denver, and they didn't do. So their playoff hopes are pretty much dead, not mathematically eliminated, but really no chance to get in. Four games left, 12 points available. They are nine points out of the final playoff spot and four teams in front of them also vying for that spot. We'll take a look back to last night in Denver where Vanny Sartini was hoping for a miracle. It started well, just nine minutes in. Brian White, great play, fires it in. White's uh, season hampered by injuries, so his production way down from last year when he led the team with 12 goals. But all Colorado after that, they scored three straight including this fantastic strike from Jonathan Lewis. Blast the top of the net. 3-1 Colorado. Caps have lost three in a row. Playoffs are not going to happen. They are home to the LA Galaxy on Wednesday. Hockey season is upon us. The Canucks Young Stars Tournament begins next Friday in Penticton. And just two weeks from today, the Canucks will play their first preseason games. Split squads will play against the Flames in games both in Calgary and Vancouver. Langley's Kyle Burroughs is hoping to follow up his first season as a Canuck by providing Vancouver with more depth and dependability on the blue line. When Kyle Burroughs signed a two-year free agent contract in 2021 with the Canucks, it was more as an insurance policy. He'd only played five NHL games to that point and was expected to spend most of his time with the Abbotsford Canucks. 
but Burroughs impressed at training camp and started the season with the big club, giving them a physical presence sorely needed. He played 35 of their first 50 games and was enjoying life in the NHL with his hometown team when he suffered a rib injury in late February that kept him out of the lineup for six weeks. Obviously, it came in a, uh, a tough time when I thought I was in a, in a, in a good groove and, uh, you know, my game was in a good place. And, you know, injuries happen. It's just kind of how you uh, bounce back from it. You know, obviously, it's, it's nothing that's hindering me now. So, you know, it's just got to take a positive from it and uh, move on and kind of just continue on the path and uh, just keep grinding. Burroughs hopes to pick up where he left off last year, bringing that physicality and consistent play that made him a viable option on the blue line. Even when Bruce Boudreau came on as coach, Burroughs stayed in the lineup, and he's looking forward to a full year under the likable head coach. I think everyone's always talked about it from kind of day one when he came in the room, you know, his presence and, um, you know, what he brought to the team. And, you know, I think that the more time we spend with him, it's only going to be good things. And uh, I know everyone's excited to get it going. You know, we have a bar and, you know, we're looking to meet it and anything below that I think is a failure. So. You know, we're going to be hard on each other in there and uh, push each other to, uh, to be. U.S. Open men's final. Norway's Casper uh, Ruud against the 19-year-old Spanish phenom Carlos Alcaraz. Winner today gets his first Grand Slam title. Also, the world number one ranking. So double on the line in New York. One of the best points of the match. As Ruud has to go between the legs to get it back. But Alcaraz with the smash took the third set in a tie break to lead two sets to one and then after breaking Rude mid fourth set has a chance to win it and he serves it out with the big ace and the 19 year old Carlos Alcaraz wins his first major the US Open and he is the new world number one in men's tennis and certainly already a superstar Jays completing their 10 game road trip in Texas Toronto eight and one so far one of their best road trips ever bullpen day for the Jays you say Kikuchi will surrender the monster two run homer to Adolis Garcia that made it three one Rangers in the third Jays get on the board in the sixth Teoscar Hernandez back in the lineup after he welcomed son number three into his family. RBI double for Teoscar there. That cut the Texas lead to three. But the Jays offense after uh, scoring four runs in 11 straight games. Well they finally stalled out a bit today. Vladdy Guerrero strikes out to end the game so they fall 4-1. Tampa also lost so the Jays remain a half game back of the Rays in the wild card. Jays and Rays start a five game set in Toronto tomorrow. And a wild finish in Seattle. Mariners blew a 6-1 lead. Gave up five in the ninth. We're down a run. But then Julio Rodriguez tied it. And then Gino Suarez the M's other big slugger ends it in dramatic fashion. Huge walk off win over the defending World Series champs. 8-7 the final for Seattle and they're tied with Tampa for the top wild card now in the AL. Ferrari fans hoping Charles Leclerc can close the gap at the top of the F1 standings on their home track at the Italian Grand Prix. Leclerc winning pole position. Points leader Max Verstappen started seventh. Strong start for George Rush in a Mercedes. He was in second until the fifth lap when Verstappen quickly made up ground, overtook Russell, put early pressure on Leclerc in front. This was shaping up to be an exciting finish, but the safety car had to come out on lap 47 when Daniel Ricciardo pulled up. Really got to see a competitive finish since this ended behind the safety car. Verstappen finishes first, Leclerc second, and the Dutch driver can mathematically clinch the title in Singapore. Next. 
And also a wild game two of the Man Cup in Peterborough last night. Langley Thunder visiting the hometown Lakers. Langley down two with under two to play, but they tie it a split second before the game-ending buzzer. Curtis Dixon to Dane Doby, so they go to overtime. Not sudden death, a 10-minute overtime period. Curtis Dixon with his fifth goal of the game. It looked good for Langley, but Peterborough scored with four seconds left to send it to double overtime, and that's when Dane Doby spins to the net. It's a spectacular winning goal his fourth of the night and the Thunder take it 15-14 in double overtime. They lead the series 2-0 game three tomorrow night in Peterborough and as we said BC team has won the Man Cup on the road in Ontario since yeah. the mid 80s. I'm not sure if you were even around then. I was <laughs> and I was I was still old a bit but it was that was a long time ago. That was like 36 years ago. It's been a while. Double overtime. That's yeah. pretty cool. Very That's good. High scoring game. Huge well. win. Yeah. Good luck guys. Yeah. Appreciate mm -hmm. it for you. Mm -hmm. Coming up we're heading to False Creek for the revival of indigenous canoe racing there. Stay with us. Were you born in 86? <laughs> We leave you tonight with the stirring and remarkable return of canoe racing to the waters of False Creek, more than a century in the making. Our Paul Johnson was there as the boats hit the water. Heading in to claim victory. If the image of people racing massive 11-person canoes in False Creek is something you've never seen before, you'd be correct. Nothing like this has happened here in more than 100 years. Oh, it's great, great to have our people back here racing. Mike Billy Sr. of North Vancouver built many of the canoes being raced here Sunday. They're made either of cedar strips or out of a single cedar log. He's built so many, it's hard to keep track. I have no idea. I've, I've built probably two a year since I was 15. And clearly another thing he's been doing for a long time is paddling them. His prowess on the water on full display in the first leg of the single-person canoe relay race. Passers-by were curious and impressed. I know it hasn't been here for many years. I actually don't know a lot about the story, but it's really great to see it. Both of us have done dragon boating and outrigger in the past, so it's interesting to watch this, their technique. Technique that goes back about 10,000 years. If you remember your Canadian history, you'll know that First Nations canoe technology was so good it was copied and used by first European colonists. So the, so the Four Fires Festival is part of reclaiming that tradition and to indigenous youth from tribes up and down the coast. Paddler Leandra Smith is from the Nooksack tribe in Washington State. Just building self-confidence and, you know, things, tools that they can use outside of paddling. And it's, it's a good feeling for us. It makes us proud and it makes us happy. No doubt. Well, False Creek has changed a lot in 100 years. The ancient tradition of canoe building and racing lives on. In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News. Is so neat to see. Um, Yvonne, before we go, a quick look at what we can expect tomorrow as kids go back to school and everything with the haze in the air. Yeah, especially heading out the front door for the early morning hours. We'll still see the smoke across the region. It'll be hazy. We're hoping to see it thin out late in the day, but keep in mind, be prepared, especially heading out uh, for, the, uh, for work and school during the morning hours. Through the afternoon, it's also going to be another warm one away from the water, 24 degrees, and then hoping to catch that reprieve by Tuesday and a bit of a change with more cloud cover rolling in for our Wednesday and Thursday so far. Okay, sounds good. Thanks so much, you guys. That's all for us tonight. Thanks for sharing part of your Sunday with us. Have a great evening. We'll see you right back here at 11 o'clock. Good night.